let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. Amen. His glory is above the earth and heaven, and he has exalted the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints. Amen. Of the children of Israel, a people near to him, praise the Lord. We are a people near to him, praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. sorrow and dead in my sin Lost without hope with no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested and my life began Ash was redeemed only beauty remained and my orphan heart was given a name But then Jesus surrounds me. 
shining in the east beyond them far and to the earth it gave great life and so
devotion to you, a worship to you. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. 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 Oh, Lord, we praise you. Lord, once again, giving ourselves to you, all of our being, everything that we are. We praise you, Jesus. We worship you. Oh, Lord.
never leave you nor I'll forsake you. For I've called you to be in me, to live within the abundance of who I am. For I've called you out of a world that needs to know me in order to be a light to them. A people of my own, Those who will call on my name for salvation and for life. For you are those, says the Lord, that I will exalt. As my son was lifted up from the earth and all people were drawn to him, I will exalt you as my children, as those who I love, as those who I call my own. So be encouraged today, be full of hope, for I am your God. Amen. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Let's give him a hand clap of praise this morning. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. You go, why don't you go love on somebody for a couple moments, okay? Go, go love somebody, encourage somebody this morning. Let them know how much you love them. We're glad to see them here today.
Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's uh, good to have you. If um, you can prepare your giving, your tithe, and often go ahead and do that. There's offering envelopes in the chairs in front of you. If not, wave your hand around. One of the ushers will help you out. And by the way, uh, we did take up a Thanksgiving offering uh, last couple weeks. So if you have that and haven't turned that in, you can still do that. Use the yellow envelopes. They're at the back table. Okay. But it is good to see you this morning and we appreciate your faithfulness and your giving so i'm going to pray over that and if you have a tithe and offering this morning you can bring it down lord we thank you to continue in our worship today and our giving lord that we are people who simply live life by you and you are our everything everything lord everything comes from you you're the sustainer of life. You're the sustainer of provision, Lord. And, and we give today in light of that, in response to that, in faith. So I, I pray as we give today, it's, it's honoring to you, but Lord, the, the stewardship of the house is, is there in wisdom and all the things that we do with every penny uh, that comes in, Lord, that we are people of good stewardship according to your wisdom and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for uh, the provision of the house. In Jesus' name, And we all say... Amen. So if you have something, you can bring it. Um, some announcements real quick. First off, uh, the Sunshine Nursing Home Outreach, they'd love to, as they, as they often have been doing, um, would love to provide Christmas cards for those in an area nursing home. So if you want to bring some Christmas cards in, uh, just, just buy some and bring them in. You can make them too if you want to, uh, but bring some Christmas cards in. Give them to either Mike or Al. And, and they'll make a time uh, where people can go out and distribute those in nursing home and certainly bless uh, those that are there. So if you have questions about that, you can see them. Uh, don't forget, there are no uh, Monday night prayer, uh, church-wide prayer in December. We'll kick back up with that, with 21 days of prayer in January. That starts January the 8th. We'll give you more details about what 21 days of prayer are all about in the coming weeks. But just know, no Monday prayer in December and then 21 days of prayer in January. Now, along with that, in December, uh, we have our youth uh, ugly sweater Christmas party coming up on December the 14th. That's a week from Wednesday, then a week from this coming Saturday. The ladies have their cookie exchange. That's from 2 to 4 in the afternoon. There's a sign up at the back for that. And then also, don't forget, uh, we do obviously have Christmas Eve candlelight service on Christmas Eve at 6.30. And then Christmas does fall on a Sunday this year, and we will be having... Uh, church at 10 a.m. For those that don't have family gathering, you can come be with us. So that'll be a good time. All right. By, by the way, um, having said that, if uh, maybe if you're kind of new with us, um, during worship, what happened there at the very end is called tongues and interpretation. And we believe in the activity of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 lifts out the gifts of the Spirit, of the gifts of the Spirit, at the unction of the Holy Spirit, is what is called tongues and interpretation. It's a sign of, of God and his wisdom and his speaking to us, and that's what that was about. So, uh, and, and we're open to those things. It's not something 
that we seek to do to make it happen, but when the Holy Spirit uh, gives unction to those things, we believe in the activity of those things. So if you have questions about that, please see me. I'd love to talk to you about it. Well, you can just jump over to 1 Corinthians 12, read that. Then if you have questions later, I'll talk to you about it. I would love to do that. Okay. So having said that, it's good to have you. Uh, don't forget, also up here, we took up prayer requests a few Sundays ago. Those are still here. We're still praying over those for breakthrough and for God to show up in ways that he needs to show up for those prayer requests. And also, as you can see this morning, we still have several people that are out not feeling well. Okay, I know some of you are back today after not feeling well. Uh, keep praying. We're, we're going to get through this. And I know even, like, you ever get a stuffy nose, but it's only one side of your head? Yeah, so the, it's my right side. Yeah, and uh, you're a little stuffy today, so we're praying for everybody to get back with us Wednesday and next Sunday and get over this, whatever it is that's going around. So keep praying for everybody, and I'm assuming uh, watching on live stream today, so it's good to have you on live stream with us. All right, if you've got your Bibles, you can go to <clears throat> the prophet Isaiah in chapter number 9. Now, we're going to get there in a few moments, but we're starting... Our Christmas series this morning is entitled, He is Here. But I want to lead it and talk to you about some things this morning. But it is always my goal, one of the goals that I have for us as a congregation, that you are always full of hope. That you're never living life in a way that's absent of hope. I, I want your life to be brimming with hope. Hope in God and Christ Jesus and what they are doing. Hope that, that he is going to do everything that he said that he will do. And there is an anticipation I want to talk to you about this morning. And when you anticipate something, it's something you expect. It's something that you look for. The birth of Jesus was an anticipated event in the history of Israel, as what we'll talk in just a moment. But it wasn't exactly like they necessarily thought would happen, but they were anticipating a deliverance. And Jesus coming, and, and we see a lot of hindsight 2020 in the understanding of the scriptures in light of Jesus, but Israel had the anticipation of hope of a great deliverance. And that's what Christmas came to be, whether you call it Christmas, Advent, uh, Jesus being born, whatever your terminology is that you use. The birth of Jesus was a culmination of, of an anticipation of hope, of deliverance. That's what it was about. Now, we know that is a historical event that happened. Jesus literally was born. And what that does is, because of the hope of, of deliverance, it rolls into and turns into now a new anticipation of that he's coming again. He came once and he's coming again, we believe. Amen. And there's anticipation of his return because of the fullness of that word deliverance. But I want you to have a hope. So I want to talk to you today about that hope. And it's got to come within something that Walter Brueggemann writes and calls prophetic imagination. Now, I, I brought this up with you before, but I want to talk to you about it a little bit again today. Walter Brueggemann writes about prophetic imagination. What that means is this. It is how hope 
gets inside your actual imagination. What can you imagine that God can and will do? Do you believe that he will? Do you believe that he can? But what is our hope? Our hope is what the scriptures say our hope should be. See, Jesus coming in a certain way was a fulfillment of some prophetic imagination. In other words, the prophets prophesied about a great deliverance that was coming. And although it, it, it wasn't said in such straight, uh, straight ways that they knew exactly how it was going to happen, they had hope of a great deliverance because of what the prophets had said, prophetic imagination. Grabbing hold of the words of God, what did God say and what does that mean for us as we live life? They were anticipating this great deliverance. See, prophetic imagination is asking the question, what is God doing? What is he doing now and what is he going to do? And when you really start thinking about that, when it starts to capture the way you think, when it starts to capture your view of life and our world and the things to come, you will eventually be full of hope. Because God is doing something. He's always been doing something, by the way. But there's marks in history where he does things that are fulfillments of things that are said, but then draw you to the future of things yet to come. So I want you to have hope. Advent, he is here, Christmas, Christ being born, is a story of hope because of what it means for us. So just for a minute, let me give you a little background. I alluded to this just a minute ago, but let me give you a little background here. I don't want to lose you here for the next moment, but, but just listen to me for a minute. Israel was expecting a deliverance from God. And connected with that, a deliverer. And in certain parts of the Jewish people in life, there is an anticipation of renewal of covenant, that covenant with God. Again, hope bound up in the prophecies of, of the great prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the like. And this hope, this, this deliverance, was about being delivered from the oppressors that were around them, the Gentiles. And to be reinstated to the fullness of the greatness of Israel in freedom, in power, abundance. And that they would be the center of the knowledge of God, the judgment of God that would cover the earth. So for Israel, salvation was about deliverance. And ultimately, the renewal of creation that involving a resurrection. So in other words, somehow Israel's God will become a visible king with a visible kingdom. And this anticipation was in such a way that there were many times they thought a deliverer had come only to find out it wasn't what they thought. At times they thought maybe it was through political means or, or, or some sort of military uprising. But in these things there was an anticipation and there was so much nuance to the way they thought about this. <clears throat> but ultimately, 
they were not looking for one who would claim equality with God. They certainly weren't looking for one that eventually would die on a cross. And certainly then the, the stories that he rose from the dead. They weren't looking for that. They were looking for something else. But yet, God in his wisdom does things in the best way. So when we talk about the anticipation of a Messiah, a deliverer or some sort of a king, we often go to the Old Testament texts that prophesy about him. But see, a lot of what we know to be messianic in the Old Testament comes in hindsight, especially as it directly relates to Jesus. But knowing this, there is an anticipation of messianic figure, but, but not necessarily a complete uniform way that they saw it, but they believed something was going to happen. Now, they were waiting. We're talking periods of time. So you got to think about this. Where we're going to be in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, he prophesied much of what he said 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Talk about some anticipation and waiting. Think about that. 700 years of anticipation, along with what some of the other prophets have said, they were waiting for deliverance for a long time. How how old is is the United States? 200-some years, right? Three, Three times the existence of our nation. They were waiting for the words of the prophets to come true. Anticipation, can you imagine the anticipation being handed down from generation to generation? Never giving up hope that what the prophets said would happen would actually happen. But then when it happened, most of them missed it. You see that? That the deliverer had come it wasn't through political means, wasn't through the means of military. And by the way, keep those things in mind. The kingdom of God does not come through politics, nor does it come through military action. Just know that. How God does things does not change. <clears throat> the king did come. The deliverer did come. The anticipation of hope was fulfilled. But it was filled in a baby being born. Excuse me. Ultimately, the Old Testament is a messianic text that leans into the stories that we find in the Gospels. So Isaiah, where we're going to be today, is one of the prophetic writings that is so full of hope, not only for Israel, but messianic anticipation, but, but it blows beyond Israel to everybody. The book of Isaiah is full of prophetic imagination. These things are and these things will be. So I'm going to ask you some questions. We're going to read three different, four different passages in Isaiah. And as I'm reading these passages, we're going to go there and, and just kind of read through them and spend a couple moments in them. Can you see... What the prophet Isaiah is saying, can you see these things at work today? Prophetic imagination. 
Can you imagine the completion of this work? Can you see the tension in how this is working now versus how it will be completed in the future? Can you see the contrast of our world and our society versus what Isaiah is saying and what is happening in your life and what the kingdom of God is all about? What I want you to do as we read these passages in Isaiah, I want it to grab your mind a little bit. You know, the imagination was not given to man after he fell in sin. Did you know that? Man had an imagination as creation. In other words, it's there for a purpose. And in a lost and dying world, our imagination needs to grab hold of the possibilities of God. To be able to see beyond what you see in light of what God has said. Be able to see beyond what you see in our society that God is doing a work now because Jesus has already come. But also in, in ways grab hold of the fact that this will be completed because he's coming again. That we simply believe. So four passages of Isaiah, and, and I love the, the prophet Isaiah, I love the writings that we find in, in our Bible by him. So full of hope. Isaiah chapter number 9 and verse number 1. I think this is one that many of you are familiar with when it comes to this time of year. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 1. So I'm going to read these a little bit slowly because I want you to grab hold of what the prophet is saying. But there will be no gloom for, who, for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea and the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of nations. Watch here. Here's this prophetic wording that talks about the great coming of, of this Messiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Watch this here. For the yoke of his burden, the staff is his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
and of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of, of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You catch that? You, you, see, you see the fullness of time come and time to come? Light has come and it shines in the darkness. And eventually what happens with that light, the rod of the oppressor is broken. No more need for war, for battles. All those things will be thrown into the fire, burned up. And of all the things that we think should happen, it's his government, the kingdom of God, that is coming. And in him is the wonder of counsel, the might of his power. Amen. He's the prince of peace, brings peace, peace between man and God. And of these things, there will be no end. You see that? Isaiah pulls from, from the throne of David in there. He is the fulfillment of all things of Israel. The David uh, covenant, the throne of David that lasts forever. He is the fulfillment of these things. Right there is hope, you know that? For, for the oppressor, for the ways of the world that we, we reduce ourselves even to kill one another for things in war and things like this, these things are not the end of the story. That the government of God in righteousness and justice will find itself in complete fulfillment. And in this we will live forevermore. Do you believe that? Can you see that at work right now? Because Jesus has come. Can your imagination grab it in such a way that you believe that will be fulfilled someday in its entirety? Do you believe that? Therefore, have hope. This is the work of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Isaiah chapter 11, another one. In verse number one. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. That's Jesus. We've got David and eventually leads to Jesus. And a branch from its roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. You know what that's talking about? Finally... Those that have been on the wrong side of things will get their justice. That's what that's saying right there. 
finally those that are the outcast society will find their hope in him. Finally those who, who have not lived life as maybe they had wanted when others have all these things, he will judge on their behalf. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips he, he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Now watch this incredible prophetic moment right here. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the young goats. And the calf and the lion shall and the fattened calf together. And with, with a little child shall lead them, and the cow and the bear shall graze, and their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy at all of my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day of the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. My goodness. You, you see how that's so full of what is not right now but will, will be? To the point that things in nature that are in contrast to one another, there will be contrast no more. You see that? That God is going to set right all that is different and wrong and antagonistic in our world and bring us to complete peace. You see how he's trying to do that now? Do you believe that he's going to complete this work later? Do you believe? Isaiah chapter 42, jump forward a little bit. So many places in Isaiah. We'll read a couple more. Isaiah chapter 42 and verse number 1. It says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him. And we'll, he will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice. We'll make it heard in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint, will be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I've called you in righteousness. I'll take you by the hand and keep you. I'll give you... You as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind, 
to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon. From the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other. Lord, I praise the carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. So sing to the Lord a new song. His praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that fills it to the coastlands and all the inhabitants. And it goes on to talking about the newness of song that comes forth because of what God is doing. You see that? The fullness of hope. God is doing a new thing. Do you believe that? In contrast to the ways of his lost world, God is establishing who he is. I, I love, I love the, the moment there where Isaiah talked about the bruised reed and the smoldering wick. He's not going to break them nor stuff them out. In other words, those who are spiritually, physically, morally weak, he will uphold them. He will not bruise them or damage them anymore. But he will bring newness to those people. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is already doing this work? Do you believe he's going to complete it? Amen. One more. Isaiah 61. I think, again, this will be familiar to a lot of you. Isaiah 61, verse number 1. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all those who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them, watch this, a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall rise up to the former desert, uh, devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities and the devastations of many generations. You see that? This is the work of God. Jesus read the first part of that in the, in the synagogue. He sat down proclaiming fulfillment of these things in him. You know, when you take a picture, you've got your phone. I guess everybody uses a phone nowadays for the most part. You have the opportunity to zoom in, you know. Kind of get real close on, on what you want a picture of. But these type of things that we're reading this morning are the completely zoomed out all the way view. See what I mean by that? They're the big picture. And I think we have to, at times, let our minds grab hold of the big picture, our hearts grab hold of the big picture, because it puts in context when we zoom into our personal salvation. 
Our salvation makes sense. Our salvation is put in its proper framework when you see the big picture. This is the work of God. This is what he is up to. This is what he is doing now and what he will do. And we're a part of it. My salvation is a part of this big picture story that God is working in this world. This is what he's about. See, when Jesus came, the birth of Jesus was the fulfillment of the beginning, this anticipation of deliverance for Israel, the beginning of this work that is still happening right now that will be completed in the future. That's Christmas. Christmas is anticipation of the work of God. When you were growing up as a kid, maybe you still do, I don't know, maybe adults were like this. Whether it's Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, you get to open some gifts maybe, right? And you have some anticipation to do that. How how many of y'all, even as an adult, still have a little anticipation about opening a present? Let me see. Okay, we're on. Yeah, sure. Unfortunately, the other day, the UPS guy came and dropped the box off at my house that I saw that I wasn't supposed to see. No more anticipation for me. I know what I got for Christmas. Unfortunate. But I'm going to pretend that never happened. Anyways. I'm be, I'm be delighted and surprised when I open it on Christmas morning. Anticipation is what Christmas is all about. Anticipation of the fulfillment of Israel and Jesus, but now a bigger picture anticipation of what he's doing and what he will fulfill. The Christmas season is all about this anticipation. And I want you to grab this big picture prophetic imagination of what God is up to. Because as we live life in our world today, and and we want to be a part of what God is doing, one of the biggest things that happens is when, when you come to saving knowledge in him, he saves you, it reorients your life to being on what he's up to. But if you don't see the big picture, we may get wrong about how we're supposed to participate in seeing this happen. We can put our hope in other things. Well, maybe God will do it this way, or maybe, maybe he'll try to do it this way, or maybe he'll try that. No, no, no. What he's doing is the good news of Jesus is for all the people brings us to a place where these things are a reality right here and then working out in the world around us. All these things that are wrong with our world that he is setting right That's the anticipation of the work of God. I believe. I do. Not only I believe that the work has been started, but I believe in what is coming. And one thing that that struck me many, many years ago, this struck me, that often Christians start to look for other means to see this kingdom work happen. I've learned to quit looking for those things because they will never fulfill the work of God. Can't happen any other way but the work of the activity of the Holy Spirit today since Jesus has come, Jesus has ascended, and Jesus will come again. There is no other means that the kingdom of God will be established in this world but by the work of God himself. 
You can't set up systems. You can't try to make people be any way. It is by the work of God. Do you know, you can set up systems that mirror what God and his kingdom look like, but you always will have is systems and find people who hard or far from him anyways. It is by his work. That people understand the big picture when it says about Isaiah talking that, that prisoners will be set free. That's me. When hearts are dead, were broken and being bound up, that's me. And when you see, you see this big picture where something crazy like a, a young child can play over the hole of a cobra and not be struck and bit by this, this, this creature, well, maybe that's how I'm to live in this world until he actually does that work. Maybe I'm to be a person of peace. Maybe that's how I get in on what he's up to. That I believe so much in the work of God that I will try with the help of the Holy Spirit to live that way today, even if it's entirely adverse from everything else that's happening around me. Maybe that's how the kingdom of God is working through this world right now. That we as the people who are called by him and brought into his family have been saved. That we start to see this big picture work of what the kingdom of God is like and go, well, man, I think that's how I'm supposed to approach living in this world right now. But it may not always make sense, and it may not always work out, and it may, it may at times lose some footing because of it, but yet that is how God is saving this world. That's what he's doing. It's the call of my life. Because we were saying last week in a whole other way of talking about this, how much I believe in the life to come affects how I live life today. If I really believe these things are going to happen, if I really believe this big picture work of God, it should change how I live today. Even if it doesn't make sense all the time, even if it doesn't always work out in my favor all the time in the way that the world works, that is the calling of somebody who's given himself to his work. That I read passages like this in Isaiah and so many others, and they grab hold of my imagination so much that I believe that this is the way of God. Even if it's not always evident in the world we live in today. But it's my calling. It's my life. See, I would, I would encourage you to take passages like that, even if it's just these four passages we read this morning, and consistently read them over and over again. To start to grab hold of your inner being. You see that? That's why I challenge people, something like the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. That's why I challenge people to read that over and over again so it grabs hold. This is the kingdom of God. This is what God is doing, and this is how he's doing it. Grab hold of you. To change you. To be the person that's living in this world like the pardon of God. That we are truly his witness. That we really are his disciples. Because 
The passage of Isaiah that we read today, that we know that Jesus and his coming, we understand in hindsight, looking back, that his fulfillment of these things. I am a disciple of the one who fulfilled these things and is doing that work. Therefore, what does that mean for me? Now, I don't want Jesus just to save me. But how do I live in this world as a disciple of a reflection of what he is doing? How does that change me? What is life to be like in light of the fact that God has come and he's my deliverer? Amen. So, yeah, I, I love Christmas time. I do. I get into it. My wife will tell you. My, kid, my kids, too. Everybody. Margot likes Christmas, but she's not into it like I am. You understand what I'm saying? I love it. The songs, the decorations, shopping. I, I love the whole business of it. But big picture, Christmas. This is what God is doing. And this is what he will fulfill. And yes, I believe. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you didn't stay far from us. But you came near, you came close. So close that you took on human flesh. So close that the light came and directly shined in the darkness. You came so close because you loved us. You came close to us because we need delivered, we need saved. I thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace that brought you to this earth in human form. But Lord Jesus, as you have ascended, you sent the Holy Spirit to us, you were, you were with us in all things. You won't leave us, you won't forsake us, but you will help us live this life in light of who you are and what you are doing. You are our hope. And the work of God in you, Lord Jesus, is really what we need. It's what this world needs. Lord, I pray that each one of us Somehow, someway, we grab hold of that in our hearts. There's more than just living this life just to make it, but there is, there is the mission of God, reclaiming this creation that was lost in sin. Right down to each individual, our hearts, our lives, Lord, but Lord, beyond that, we just don't want to be saved. Show us what it means to live in your kingdom now. Anticipating the kingdom to come. Show us how to live, Lord. 
in light of the work that you are doing and how we may participate in that. Lord, turn us outward. Zoom out in our life, Lord. And see the great work of God that is happening. That we may have a hope, we may have joy. Something that we long for, something that we anticipate the completion of. Lord, thank you. Thank you for saving me, saving us. But I want to be satisfied there. Lord, show me how to live in light of this wonderful salvation. Show me how to live. Lord, for your glory, in your name, Amen. Amen. Can we just stand up and just thank him this morning for what he's done? We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Just, just thank him just for a moment and we'll, we'll dismiss.